Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, what's up? And welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast hosted by me, Andrew Levins, and her, Siobhan Coombs. Say hello, Siobhan. Hello. Every week we read a million comics. Literally, we read a million comics this week. Yeah. And then uh, Siobhan's dishwasher <laughs> makes a really so loud, loud noise. <laughs> Every week we read a whole ton of comics and review them for you so you can decide which of the comics that are worth your time. It's our third, our third episode. And uh, yep. the last few weeks, they've been what we would call quiet weeks. Not that many comics that we would regularly read. Um, so we really kind of looked for other comics that we don't normally read to try and see if we could find something to read instead. Um, so we definitely overcompensated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this week, so many fucking comics. Holy moly. Uh, just like we have today on the show, we're going to be talking about everyone from the Power Rangers to Archie to Harley Quinn to Lobster Johnson to... Uh, I don't know who else have we got here. Black Panther. Just in in number ones alone, there were one, two, three, four, five, six new number ones for us to talk about this week. It was a big week. Later on in the episode, after we review of the new issues, we're all going to be talking about the uh, new announcement from the Image Expo. Um, all the brand new comics that Image have announced that are coming out for them later in the year. We're also going to be talking about a DC superhero girls event that Siobhan and I checked out over the weekend. Super excited as well because later in the episode we'll be reviewing Grant Morrison and... Yannick Paquette. Uh, then you take on Wonder Woman in Wonder Woman Earth 1? Yep. Earth 1. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about some listener feedback at the end of the episode as well. So stay tuned. Let's kick into First Things First where we review all the brand new number one issues of the week starting with... Siobhan, I'll let you pick. What was the best number one of the week? Oh, best number one. Um, I'm going to give it to The Fix. All right. Very happy about this. Yeah. The Fix is a new issue, a new comic series out through Image this week, written by Nick Spencer, drawn by Steve Lieber. Uh, previously, they worked together on The Superior Foes of Spider-Man, which was a 16-ish issue run on Marvel around the same time as Dr. Octopus was Spider-Man. Um, it was so funny. And That's how we measure time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all time from this point forward is is based on who was Spider Man at the time. <laughs> was Spider Man black yet? <laughs> um, so, the super, Superior Foes of Spider Man was just this excitingly stupid and fun kind of romp from the eyes of low life C grade Spider Man villains, and they had no redeeming features. They fucked each other over every other issue. And it was just like super fun to read, really funny. 
And not only was the writing funny, but the visual storytelling, the way Steve Lieber pieced I don't know, all these awesome visual cues that I hadn't seen in comics before in this series. And they all come back for The Fix, which is about two crooked cops. It's a bit of a spoiler. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we'll be spoiling a few things. It's a little bit. It's a little bit of a spoiler. But to be honest, I think that was probably in the like... First five announcement. pages? Yeah. Um, and also, just a quick shout out. Um, so there's Ryan Hill on colours, but also Australia's very own Nick J. Shaw on lettering and design. Congrats, Nick. Do you want to sing the Australian anthem to celebrate? Uh, yeah, absolutely, I do. We'll do it after. It'll be a bonus part <laughs> at the end of the episode. Um, so this issue is uh, just basically an incredibly fun crime comedy uh, book. It's very long and dense and just hilarious the entire way through. Um, I, I worry that maybe they try to cram too much ridiculous situation humor into this issue yeah the characters start out big and then get like progressively more and more ludicrous to the point where you're like "Uh, i'm not sure about this anymore nick spencer but um it it made me laugh like out loud genuinely in the first couple of pages and i think a lot of that has to do with like i've never really gotten the steve lieber thing before but he is like so funny in this like the visual gags are just like Brilliant, and there's so much movement to his um, art. Like, yeah, yeah, good storyteller. Definitely. If you were looking for a brand new comedy comedy comic to uh, pick up, I don't know. Just do. I don't know. I, it's very rare for a, for a comic book to just make you laugh. Yeah. And uh, this comic absolutely does that. Absolutely. The fix by Nick Spencer and Steve Lieber. I feel like all our reservations will be put away as this progresses more and more because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Nick Spencer was really trying to wow as much as he could with this. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, stuffed issue. It's a double issue almost. He like, extra pages. And- I think that is generally my issue with Nick Spencer is that he's incredible at like concepts and incredible at like first issues and introductions. But then I find like the follow through, through isn't super satisfying. Um, but I'm totally on board for this, you know. Likewise. The Sign fix. me up. Number one, we will be confirmation right here serious yep. issues is going to be serious issues <laughs> is going to be reading every issue of the fix move unless on. it gets terrible in which case i will stop reading it All right, i'll keep reading it though because yeah. i'm a sucker um let's move from the best comic of the week to the most talked about comic of the week and that is uh black panther uh Ooh. and siobhan will do the very very important job of uh telling me who the creative team on this are so i'm i, I said this name so confidently last week and then was like I don't know if that's actually correct, but I think it's like Tanishi Coates, Coates, whatever. Um, and um, as writing and Brian Stell Freeze on art with um, colors by Laura Martin. Um, hugely, hugely highly anticipated book. Sold big out, deal. sold out immediately. It's already gone to second printing after one week, which is amazing. A really, yeah. really exciting big deal for a character like Black Panther. And it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a brand new creative team. One of whom has never worked in comics before. Mm. Um, it's really, really exciting. Yeah. Um, I definitely think this is a good issue, number one. Yes. Black Panther. Um, we've, we spoke last week about not reading too much Black Panther. I've read a few um, Black Panther series um, throughout the years. I have not read all of, uh, is it Christopher Priest that everyone says is the best uh, Black Panther run? Oh, I don't even know enough to know that. Um, but this, yeah, this was definitely like a good first issue. Um you know, I'd much rather have like 
a medium first issue and then like have an incredible story than like blow me away with the first issue and then so this is like tell the, me anything this is like the opposite <laughs> of the fix yeah, yeah, yeah where the fix tried to show you absolutely everything happening in their series in one issue like you know oh, on this part's gonna be a plot point at some point and then there are like you know basically we got introduced to like 10 larger than life characters yeah. in the fix black panther just kind of moves you from little spotlights throughout Black Panther's world throughout this one issue and nothing is particularly addictive like you can't it's not like you I didn't finish this go oh my god I can't wait to see what happens next but you definitely know similarly to Jonathan Hickman who's done fantastic work with Black Panther before you know this is going to be hopefully an incredibly great slow burn of a book absolutely I definitely agree and Brian Stelfreeze is like as always totally incredible um, I am I am very, very interested in these two female characters that they brought in. I don't know enough about Black Panther to know if they're established characters, um, but who steal the Midnight Angel prototype, and they look like they're wearing, like, cool mech suits. One of them's name is, like, Aneka, and the other one's name is... Ao. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Um, very interested in that, and I love the whole, like, you know anti-royalist um, definitely messages super interesting so i'm yeah not totally blown away by the first issue but super interested to see where it goes definitely yeah i think it's it's a really really promising start for what will hopefully be one of the most revered series that marvel puts out so moving on to another number one issue that came out this week through marvel um through their icon imprint we talked about it last week we were pretty excited about it mark millar and Stuart imminen teaming up for empress vol- volume one sorry issue one uh, I was a little bit disappointed by this. Maybe yeah. I have no one to blame but myself. Yeah. <laughs> this is the first ch- first chapter in a 12-part space opera. Um, I guess, you know, we're, we're living in a post-saga and, like, Star Wars coming back in full effect mm. world. So when someone does a high-concept space kind of drama, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, it has to be... I don't know, it has to feel thematically really different to, to pique my interest. Yeah. We both know that Mark Millar, especially recently, is perfectly capable of telling a great story, even a great story set in space. Starlight with um, Gordon Fialkov. Um, was that who his name is? I think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> Starlight by Mark Millar with art by Goran Pavlov. Close, was, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> Was was amazing. Like I think, like one of the most incredibly, you know, five issues of just perfect space fun. Mm, it's a absolutely. really, really perfect from start to finish. Comic. With like a strong emotional sort of definitely. And you arc. and you knew at the end of issue one that you were about to read something really special. And mm. and that was for me. It was like, oh wow, I guess I like Mark Millar again. Mm. That was the comic that really uh really yeah. triggered that for me. So uh, moving on to Empress, it's far from a bad comic. Absolutely. Stuart Eminent, um, lovely work as always. Probably not like my favorite of his work ever, but you know, still lovely, still I, lovely to have him involved. I think the colors are really flat on this. Yeah. After seeing it, like that, that, that was like the way that he and the colorist who worked with him on the Star Wars issues that he wrote earlier in the year. Yeah. This, this is like the opposite of that. It's like, it's quite flat. It's still beautifully drawn, but there's not the, that level of excitement that was in the artwork of his Star Wars stuff. That was like, yeah, it's just not there. Yeah, that's it. It's a beautiful looking book, and it's a great start to a story again. Um, perhaps not as an exciting start as what we got through Black Panther, mm. but um, so the the basic story is um, there's a sort of evil alien dictator who is just 
out of control killing people because they weren't firm enough in their disapproval of his dissenters. That was a difficult sentence. Um, <laughs> and we are watching this all happen through the eyes of his wife, soon to be estranged wife, because, um, yeah, because she, she has had it up to here. Yeah, and she takes the uh, the male bodyguard with her and they escape the solar system. And that, that montage is quite fun. Yeah, good fun. But, you know, it's a very quick book to read. Yeah, and, uh, it was ma- over and done. Very, I feel like we're going to get we're going to get to the meat of the story in, in in future issues for sure. Yeah, the thing that I was like, mm, Mark Miller is her awesome origin story as a sexy waitress. Um, I don't think that she's like explicitly a lingerie waitress, but she was just a waitress who was also sexy. So by awesome, do you mean not awesome? Um, I just mean I feel like Mark Miller has some interesting attitudes towards women, and. I'm a little bit over his, like, all oh, women are whores <laughs> kind of thing. Or, you know, like, you could, like, that, that depth of character and that sort of um, real, like, pathos that he brought to um, the main character from Starlight, whose name I've forgotten. You know, like, why, why could he not do that for Empress? Why did it, it just felt a little bit like... Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that you could blame that on youth, maybe, the youth of the character, whereas the character in Starlight is quite old. Um, and, you know, mm. it's quite easy to kind of paint his life, whereas this woman's life at the moment completely revolves around her husband. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you're right. I agree with you that, that, you know, there's not much depth to this character yet, whereas, you know, we're used to amazing image-first issues where they really give you such an incredible glimpse into the world that you're about to commit yourself to with a new series. Yeah. And they, yeah, they don't really... They, they just kind of... It's almost like a prologue. And, and, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, prologue. It's, it's almost like a prologue. And I'm I'm fully down to see her develop as a character. And I did I did like what I saw, you know, like other than the flashback as to how they met, I was fully on board. Yeah. You know? And press one, don't worry, we're still gonna keep reading you. Yeah. So that fine. is three for three on uh first things first. We're gonna be reading three of these first issues. Let's move to one that look I'm gonna I'm gonna shit on this a little bit, but then I'm going to still keep reading it. Uh, Poe Dameron, number one, also out through Marvel. Uh, the latest in the many Star Wars spin-off comics. This one is by um, Charles Sewell on writing and uh, Phil Noto on art. Charles Sewell has been, uh, was bought by Marvel as a, on an exclusive... Sorry, it makes me sound like a slave. Um, <laughs> he's on an exclusive contract for writing for Marvel, has been for about two years now. He started out writing for Marvel, doing an amazing She-Hulk run with Javier Polito. Javier Polito? Mm-hmm. And... Um, to, the, to this day, that is still the only thing that he's written for Marvel that I've really liked, except for the Lando comic that he did for Star Wars. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were both really, really great, especially the She-Hulk. was just so excellent because, it, you know, he, he has a background as a lawyer and it was, a, it, was a, it was almost like a law book as much as it was a superhero book. It was so fun. I loved that. I wish it could have gone forever. But since then, and I feel like it's not... I feel like you can't really blame Charles Sewell for this. He almost seems to get the projects that... Are too difficult for any other writer at Marvel because mm, he is he's he's across the board pretty good very occasionally excellent and even less like even more rarely really terrible you know? yeah well I mean like before he went to Marvel he did the great um, Swamp Thing run of mm-hmm. in DC and he also has an incredible creator own book called Letter 44 oh I haven't actually read that oh it's really really I didn't fun I realize that was him that's very very fun mm. um, but all of his Marvel stuff has been very hit and miss um, and this is certainly feels for me into the miss category. 
dear. So Poe Dameron, as well as being Siobhan's uh, most fancied member of the latest Force Awakens movie. Um, True. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for confirming. Uh, Poe Dameron is what? He's just like a, you know, a happy-go-lucky rebel uh, plane flyer. With an amazing <laughs> chin and hair. Yeah. And so, you know, he clearly has a lot of backstory behind him. And instead of telling any crazy adventure that would lead him to being such a high-ranked rebel officer, or rebel whatever he is, plane flyer, it's an official time term, <laughs> um, they'd tell pretty much his story from five minutes before Force Awakens starts. Yeah, but that's probably the most interesting part of his life. I, I want them to make it more interesting. <laughs> We've spoken before about how like the biggest problem with the Star Wars comics is the need to make them canon. Mm. And I just feel like, you know, they don't really... I know they can't really, if, if you're committing to a canon, you know, like a story that is is what happened no matter what, you can't really go to get too creative with it. But I feel like there must be a more interesting story about Poe Dameron than what led him to be in Force Awakens, right? True. I suppose. But I did enjoy this issue, you know? I didn't think it was like an uninteresting adventure and I was, you know, already along for the ride. Um, and... Phil Noto just does such a great job. Yeah. He's, he's great at likenesses. Another one, though, this is another one that was coloured very differently to what we've seen of an artist before. Um, Phil Noto normally, like, I mean, if you, you compare his artwork that he did on the Black Widow book last year and mm. also the Chewbacca book, this is very flat as well. Well, see, I think that it works, I though. actually really like this. Um, and I think that Phil Noto coloured this himself. Yeah, right. There um, you go. I actually quite like it. It's quite sort of uh, punchy. It is like a little bit odd maybe it looks highly his artwork used to look highly illustrated and it looks you know very cartoony in this which i think is fine Mm. it's you know it's far from bad again yeah but it is it is a sort of light-hearted adventure i suppose um yeah what did you think about the backup comic starring bb-8 in which bb-8 pretty much takes on the role of like an animal character in a disney movie I loved it. Really? <laughs> Did you not like it? I fucking hated this what? so much. Oh my God. Okay, so this is written by Chris Eliopoulos. Um, also art by Chris Eliopoulos. Um, Coloured by Geordie Belair. Coloured by Geordie Belair. And if I am not mistaken, Chris Eliopoulos did... Um, oh, he's not who I was thinking of. But he's a sort of children's cartoonist. I suppose you would describe him. He did um, this series called Cowboy with Nate Cosby. That's supposed oh, to be really shit. good. Oh shit! Yeah, I love Cowboy. Yeah. I didn't realize I was him. Wow. Okay. Cool. I, I feel really bad that I just said I fucking hated this, but I, really... I did. Why? It was. I, it's a really sweet little story of BB-8 bringing together two love-struck um, X-wing pilots. Yeah, this is like the dumbest I've ever felt, but. <laughs> As a, like a uh, you know a thirty year old person who spent a, spent two hundred fifty dollars on a very expensive BB eight droid, telling yeah. you that this is not how a character that yeah. is a tiny tennis ball robot that I've seen for all of twenty minutes in a movie, I don't feel like that's not what BB eight would do. Why does BB eight give a shit about connecting two characters on a relationship? Because level? he's like the R two D two. They're like the cute ones who care about feelings, aren't they? Are they? I don't know. <laughs> do these, does BB eight care about feelings? They seem Is to that like, what all, all, all means? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I found it adorable because it, no, I, am, it is, I am on the robots have feelings camp. It's totally adorable and I love BB-8, but I just, I don't know. I, I, but it, me, was not, he, it was not canon. He's more of a cheeky little bro. He's my cheeky little bro BB-8. He's gonna, just going to cause a ruckus. Yeah, 
He's yep. causing a ruckus. Yeah, cause a ruckus to entertain himself, not cause a ruckus to bring two people together. Right. I didn't realise that was the line. This story better not be canon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's move on to the last Marvel number one of the week. Um, Spider-Women Alpha. This is the coming together of Spider-Woman, Spider-Gwen and Silk. Finally. Uh, yeah. Um, they are the three female spider heroes at the moment. Pretty awesome that there are three of them mm-hmm. with all books that are actually quite good. Um, I've already been suckered into buying a whole bunch of extra Marvel comics in the last few weeks by the um, standoff event. Mm. I now read all the Avengers titles that I never <laughs> thought I would. And I, of these th- three, I only read the Spider-Woman book, which is written by um, Dennis Hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. I think it's an incredible book, especially as a parent. It's a book about parenting, but parenting as a spider hero. Um, <laughs> it's a fairly specific niche, yeah. but it is, it's, it's a really lovely book. Not just like, not lovely. It's really funny. It's really smart. It, the action's really, really good. Um, yeah, there's a lot to like about there's it. A, there's like, I, I feel like one of the biggest things that great Marvel books have over DC is just an unmistakable warmth to them. There's such a relatability. They really, really push a relatability when it comes to some of their characters and, and allow their characters to show their flaws. And Spider-Woman is absolutely like yeah. um, just a great example of that. Um, I don't read Spider-Gwen, which is a uh, retelling of Spider-Man, except in another universe where where Gwen Stacy doesn't die, Peter Parker dies. Is that in what the in the Gwen Stacy universe, um, Gwen is the one bitten by a spider and Peter develops the um, the lizard serum and becomes oh, a lizard wow. and then dies. Worth? Oh, wait, okay, wait, sorry, I was yeah. Like... yeah, 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 really, really um, heavy. And so, you know, Peter's death is to Gwen what Gwen's death is to Peter in this universe. And she's a really, really fun character. She plays in a band called the Mary Janes. <laughs> so she's like very sort of... Um, like I like all these kind of characters like Spider-Gwen and Batgirl who are very like wish fulfillment for teenage girls, you know, like it's nice to see yourself reflected back as like a cool version sure. a little bit. I think guys have had that for a really long time. Definitely. So it's nice yeah. to um, get a few female characters like that. And finally, Silk, uh, definitely not a wish fulfillment. She was locked in a, uh, like a vault for yep. her entire life until the recent Spider-Verse event. Mm-hmm. And um, so she's had, what, like 12 issues of a series of her... Something about that. ...of her kind of getting to know the world around her, finding out all of her parents are dead and et cetera, et cetera. It's a grim time for Silk, but you yeah. like her as a character, right? I do. So Silk's whole thing is that she was also... She was bitten by the same spider that bit Peter. So they are, like, linked on, like, a really um, fundamental level, which leads to lots of hilarious sexy shenanigans. Um but she's a really nice character. I think the the comic is really, really good fun. She's very relatable. It's very funny. Um, while also dealing with this quite, like, hectic storyline of her being locked in a bunker for, like, <laughs> 12 years of her life or however long. Um, but so the spider, the spider universe is full to the brim with, like, excellent female characters at the moment. Yeah, and this, this event brings them together. Um, it's a, you know, just a, a wacky bunch of scenarios that, that bring them together. Mm-hmm. Um, they are... Uh... What happens? They... they just want to hang out. They're just going to hang out. And then they decide to go to... Um, because now they all have these sort of teleporters to get them in between the various Well, they have one universes. teleporter. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. They have one teleporter to be able to get them between the universes so that they can hang out. So they all go to universe... To Gwen Stacy's universe, I yeah. believe. 
and then they have a cool adventure, and then Gwen Stacy realizes that someone has stolen her her universe traveler device. Oh no! So and they're stuck Jessica in the universe. Has a baby now, and she's like, "I'm stuck in a universe opposite to my baby." That's terrible. Absolutely, terrible thing the worst thing in the universe to happen. So, I guess we're going to find out how they all get back in the next few issues of Spider Woman, Spider Gwen, and Silk. Yep. All of which I will now read. Yeah. So I guess what, what this guy gets gets it's a, a massive prize for being um, the number one that made me read the most comics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. It was a super interesting issue as well. Like a very non-superhero interesting art style, which at first yeah. was a little bit disconcerting, but actually really, really grew on me as the issue went. This by. Is, who's it drawn by? Um. um someone Vanessa Del, Del Rey. Rey. Vanessa Del Rey. Is that her name? Vanessa Del Rey. Yeah. Sounds like a combination of Vanessa Amorossi and Lana Del Rey, which is a combination <laughs> of songstress that I would never want to hear. The <laughs> uh, last number one of First Things First this week is the dumbest number one I've read in a long time, and I mean that in the nicest possible way. <laughs> this comic is called Grizzly Shark. It's by Ryan Otley and Ivan Plasenisha. Um, mm. This is a, a comedy gore comic about... A, a shark who lives in the woods and eats campers. So the whole idea came between um, this artist, Ryan Otley, and a friend of his um, called uh, Jason Howard. Um, they put out a comic years ago called Sea Bear and Grizzly Shark. They got mixed up. So it's a bear that lives in the water and a shark that lives in the woods and they create havoc on many people. Um, it's very goofy. It's very gory. Um, if you... Don't like completely stupid things. You'll hate it. Mm, I End hated it. <laughs> it felt like a very, um, like if you were once a teenage boy or had somewhere in you a part of being a teenage boy, you would probably love it. I was not that kind of teenage boy. Right. What kind um, of teenage boy were you? Uh, the kind who was into manga. <laughs> so you're still a teenage boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it just, it was fine. It was fine. That was, that was as much as it got from me. It's like it's like the equivalent of uh, like Machete, the movie. No, nah, I enjoyed Machete way more. That was like there was a dumb joke about periods in it because like yeah, oh, the there's a woman going was, for was a run and, uh, and sharks can smell blood. So do you get comic books, fucking yeah, that's fine. Whatever. There are three issues of this. <laughs> I will be reading all of them. <laughs> Apologies, I will not. I will not. Everywhere. Apologies, Brian Oddly. Okay, so this week's First Things First landed us with one, two, three, four, five, six. All right, we're going to read like six new comics. I will not be reading the rest of Grizzly Shark, but yes, other than that, (laughs) I'll be reading everything. Don't worry, dear listeners, I will keep you up to date with the goings-on in Grizzly Shark universe. (laughs) Let's move on to another number one, but it's a one-shot, so it doesn't really count. This is Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad, the April Fool special. Hell yeah, and the cover is... Um, an incredible phone-in from Jim Lee of Harley Quinn riding Man Bat in full, like, like combat gear <laughs> with, like, a massive machine gun, which seems slightly out of character, but what do I know? Um, so I have not been reading the Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor retake on uh, Harley Quinn, which kind of saved DC in the last year. Mm. It became, quickly became their best-selling comic. Um, and solidified her as one of the most popular characters, even leading into Suicide Squad, the movie. Um, This comic is the kind of introduction 
to what Suicide Squad is going to be in DC Rebirth, which is um, written by uh, R. Williams and drawn by Jim Lee. Um, Jim Lee, of course, being the famous 90s comic book writer that people gave a fuck about once. I don't understand why they still give a fuck about him because he sucks. Because he, like, is very high up at DC. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why people still give a fuck about Jim Lee. But he still has, like, like a really big fan base. And, you know, I'd buy a Jim Lee sketch, like, from back in the day. I think that there's... But... Yeah, he, this is not his best work. Let's put it that way. Um, it's very, you know, it's extremely 90s. And it's something that I feel like the, that Harley Quinn is a character. It doesn't really work her being a really, really 90s influenced character. I feel like she's, you know, definitely leading the charge of being a fun, different character for DC. Mm. Um, the biggest bummer that I just figured out is that this is written by Rob Williams, who also writes my favorite Vertigo comic at the moment, Unfollow. Ah. And two, the two could not be more different. Um which is, you know, it's a real bummer. Uh, I didn't, I, I enjoyed like 90% of this comic. Um, the Jim Lee pages aren't incredible, but it tells the story like still, you know, well enough. Um, and so the story is uh, Harley starts, gets a mysterious letter that compels her to um, start helping people. That she is the prettiest, smartest person. So she has to help all of these supervillains as a psychologist again, which is her origin story. If you don't know, Harley, what I feel like everyone must know this by this Harley point. and Quinzel. Harley and Quinzel, Arkham Asylum psychologist, meets the Joker, falls in love, goes um, completely crazy and runs away with him. So it, it, at the end, give you a spoiler here. You don't really care. You, you want to spoil, <laughs> basically. You don't want to read it. Um, it's all revealed that the entirety of this issue is a mind game being played on Harley Quinn by none other than a newly... Middle-aged Amanda Waller. Hell yeah. Bring back the wall. Um, and she is making Harley Quinn crazier than ever in order Whoa. to uh, bring her back to Suicide Squad. I feel like that kind of undoes all the hard work that they've made, that they've put into making her her own character in the Harley Quinn comics this year. Right? Yeah. A little bit. I mean, I haven't been reading the Harley Quinn comic. I thought the thing that sort of stuck out for me the most is that like, I've I've been saying for a long time that Harley is now the sort of DC version of Deadpool. And I think that in this, like, she's breaking the fourth wall. She's, like, much, much funnier than she used to be. So I feel like, I feel like I'm uh, validated, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, I quite enjoyed this. Halfway through, it sort of goes into this, you know, what you then discover to be a dream sequence that's um, drawn by Sean Galloway, who's a sort of got a very cartoony, cute style. He does a lot of animation. Um, and I really enjoyed that. I thought it was really cute, really funny. It brings in a lot of like really obscure DC characters as she sort of tries to, you know, um, talk Killer Moth through all his problems. And Ratcatcher, and- one, of my fa- <laughs> Ratcatcher. one of my favorite DC like Z-list villains. Until she decides that helping people is boring. And so she knocks them all out with Scarecrow Fear Gas and takes their money. Sounds great. <laughs> um, I don't know. Look, I'm, I'm, we uh, made a pact to read every new issue of DC Rebirth when it comes out later in the year. So no matter what happens, we're going to be reading Suicide Squad. Um, I don't understand why you need to put Jim Lee on this book, but whatever. I think it's just the name still sells comics, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is Harley Quinn and the Suicide Squad. I read another DC comic this week that I'll just hint on quickly. Um, 
last week or maybe in our first issue, first, our first episode, um, I said that the DC New 52 run was going to be ending at um, issue 51. But I think they're actually all ending on issue 52, which oh, makes way good. more sense. That makes way more sense. So I picked up Batman Detective Comics thinking it was going to be the last one ever. It was the penultimate issue. And uh, it's about Gordon, who is now like like a middle-aged ex-military guy, which makes no sense compared to the character that I grew up with. Um, but way more extreme. Yeah, way more extreme. <laughs> he drinks way more energy drink than he used to. It's like a murder mystery, but he goes back to Afghanistan. Um Written by um, Peter Tomasi, who I normally really love. Uh, I will not be coming back for part two of this story. Fair enough. <laughs> it didn't grab me. We should talk about something that I love so I don't sound like a boring hater. Let's talk about issue six of The Vision Ooh. by Tom King. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had Entourage on in the background. Um, <laughs> so The Vision is, I reckon, probably the best comic Marvel's putting out right now. And maybe one of the best comics of the year so far. Siobhan, your thoughts? It's a big call. I'm enjoying it a lot. I don't know if it's one of... I don't know. I have to think about that question more seriously. You can't just spring that on me. Um, but it's like, I mean, it is crazy good. It's not like a traditional superhero comic. You know, it's not like what you would expect from Marvel, which is probably why it's like so it's, exciting and so cool. It's unlike any comic I've ever read before. Arts by Gabriel Hernandez-Walter. He deserves a lot of props for just doing... An incredibly great, dark and grim job. Yep. But like, I don't know. I feel like I complained a lot about the Batman vs Superman movie, completely missing the point, being way too dark. And people, you know, a lot of people complain that people that don't like Batman vs Superman, just Marvel guys that don't like dark stuff. But this is undoubtedly a really, really dark comic. But it's, it's very just, grim. But it's still so fun. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's so compelling, um, and so interesting, and. Yeah, you just like just want to read it all. Just want to. Yeah, so this is this is less of a review of uh, of this issue and more of a call to arms. If you are not reading this comic, you should start reading this comic. Yeah, pick it up, guys. This is going to be one that people could talk about for years, I think. And this is uh, finally the issue where they introduce the greater uh, Marvel universe into the world. You find out who's been narrating this story the whole time, and uh, again, we're like, what the fuck's going to happen next? Yeah, um, but if you like. Weird artificial intelligence stories and a sort of Twin Peaksy kind of vibe. Yeah, is that a is that a fair thing? Deconstructions to say? of the American dream and and families. Yep, told through robots who are superheroes who hang out with Storm. It's the best. Real fun. It's real fun. Definitely recommend it. I, mean, I honestly like I I can't think of a comic that I read faster. Considering how dense it is, like the, the vision comes out and I just have to devour it straight away. It's definitely one of those ones that I leave to the bottom of my pile because oh, wow. it makes everything else seem terrible. All oh, right, we're the opposite. That's, yeah, like, give me like... the good stuff first. <laughs> Let me read all of the trash so that then I can be like <laughs> excited at the end of it. Um, Black Widow number two by Mark Wade and Chris Sumney. Another excellent comic in the works. Absolutely. Also not a super traditional superhero book. It's much more like a straight sort of spy comic espionage and, yeah yeah so stylized and man this is uh the first issue was um a bit vague in where you know we kind of had no idea where the series is going to going to step towards um you find out why black widow acted the way she did because um in issue one because of this issue number two mm-hmm. um i love that um chris sumney is credited as a storyteller in yeah. this instead of just an artist um because you can tell that he has such a massive 
input when it comes to scripting this story. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I don't know, I, like, I loved their stuff on Daredevil, but I feel like I could grow to love this even more. I agree. Like the um, that team's work on Daredevil is some of like my favorite superhero comics of the last couple of years. But this in two issues, it feels like they've been wanting to tell this story for ages. And like, especially Chris Samney, like you can see it in, you know, like just it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful comic and he has such a beautiful, um, like the way he draws um, the way she fights, her physicality, everything is like so perfect and so spot on. I yeah. just love it. There was a brilliant line in the first issue um, that describes uh, describes Black uh, Black Widow as uh, she turns a forty thousand foot t- f- sorry she turns a forty thousand foot fall into a ballet, mm. um, which I just think is just a really great way to kind of you know look at the the, the grace of the character. And this one is just this is, this issue is. Far superior to the first issue in every way, I think. Absolutely. Um, just a you know really compelling spy story and kind of it's quite sad because and tragic mm. because you have these characters complaining about her um, while she saves their lives. Yeah. And yeah, I know. I, I and just, I feel like that's like Black Widow's like fundamental sort of tragic story is that she's you know, she's an Avenger and she's a spy for S.H.I.E.L.D. and stuff, but she still has this, like, really dark past that yeah. you can't know about of weird Russian espionage. And that's kind of what this is all about. You know, this horrible Russian gangster brings some folders that she was sure she she was sure no one had any records of. But, ah, oh, someone has a record of it. It always happens. What do you think is the worst thing in the world that Black Widow is capable of in her past? Like, how bad could it be? Oh, I just feel like the sky's the limit you know i just like i love it i love that she has such a like tortured past and i just feel like she could have done something terrible she directed indiana jones and the crystal skull Ooh, <laughs> she is sheer labouf <laughs> that'll be great uh let's move on to archie number seven again by mark wade uh with art by veronica <laughs> very, Fish. very different comic though. extremely different yeah i loved uh the espionage scenes where archie realizes that his entire life is a lie and <laughs> and kills three people in a graveyard um, this was my fir- the first issue of the Mark Wade Archie series that I did not love. Um, I still loved it because cool. I love Archie comics. Um, <laughs> all it needs to do is have Archie on the front of the cover. <laughs> that is literally all it takes. Um, but I, it, it definitely wasn't as like... Um, it wasn't like the best of the bunch. You know, I'd agree to that, but I think it was still a solid issue. There was some good character building for Veronica, I thought. I liked that. Um, there's a funny... I like that they're building on how, like, hilariously clumsy Archie is because Archie would be, like, the perfect jock. He's, like, handsome, plays guitar in a band, he's a football team, but he's just, like, super clumsy, which is hilarious. Um, what I've loved about the series so far is their ability to kind of juggle multiple plot points um, from mm. different points of ca- character's point of view. And they only focus on Archie the entire way through. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do 
not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This issue? Pretty much. That's true. That is true. It is primarily, it's primarily an Archie and Reggie story. Um, I, I think liked, you get a little bit of an insight like into Reggie's little, family. And also pops. Yeah, yeah. Some good pop scenes. And I... Like, this is what the kids want. Yeah, <laughs> more pop. Um, and I think that we both were like, um, when Veronica Fish took over from um, Fiona Staples, it was a little bit jarring. But I really feel like she is starting to get like an awesome feel for the characters. There's some great, great physical comedy in here. Mr. Lodge's facial expressions are hilarious. Um, as well as Archie's like really sad hang dong, hang, sorry, hang, hang, dong. Dog, <laughs> hang dog expressions. Um, but yeah. Love it. And I still love, I love that they're keeping the conversation going on Twitter. You can hashtag, what did Reggie do to follow, follow along? Um, I don't like that um, Veronica Fish doesn't really draw backgrounds in about 80% of her panels. Yeah, but neither does Jim Lee. I also don't like Jim Lee, as I've said <laughs> earlier in the thing, but whatever. <laughs> uh, all right. It's fair. I'm complaining again. I'm the complainer of this issue, this episode. God damn it. I also keep calling this episode an issue. Um, let's move on to something that I uh, very embarrassingly really loved. Um, I went back and I read the first uh, two and a half issues of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers by Kyle Higgins uh, coming out through Boom. What's Kyle Higgins done? Uh, Kyle Higgins uh, done a stack of Batman stuff in the past. Yeah, right. Um, uh, and uh, he wrote stuff with Scott Snyder and um, lots of stuff for DC in the past. But yeah, this is what he's doing now. Um, so they originally released a, um, a zero issue of Power Rangers. And I read that first and it really just throws you straight in the thick of it. You've got the Green Ranger who's already been let down by, um, by like, you know, he's, he's already been created by the big bad and i don't know like is you know dubiously is he good or is he bad like i don't know it just kind of throws you right in the middle of this of this you know the the power rangers team did you watch power rangers when you were a kid i mean i did but i was very small and i really only remember sort of like the weird explosions 
and fight scenes. That's right. the majority of what I remember of it. I don't really remember like the interactions when they were not in costume. So I went into this going like, oh, well, I'm just going to recap all of the Power Rangers stuff and kind of retell the or- origin story. But they just throw you right in the thick of it. Way more fun. Uh, kind of. Because yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm so over origin stories. Boo origin stories. I feel like the Power Rangers origin story, no one really knows it anyway. So yeah. I actually am kind of interested in hearing about that. Um, so I finished the, I finished, uh, I finished the Zero issue going like, what the fuck did I just read? Did I like that? I don't know. I had the first and second one to go into straight away. The second issue came out this week. Um, I ended this realizing that I watched a ton of Power Rangers when I was a kid. And they just hint on so much stuff that I just really enjoyed about the show. Even though I don't think I really enjoyed the show when I was a kid. Is it just a pure nostalgia book or does it have Absolutely. merits on its own? Oh, no, I don't think anyone who has no idea about these characters would enjoy this in any way at all. Right. Cool. Um, but they do a great job capturing a vibe <laughs> of a show that I completely forgot. Um, they even have a, um, a backup comic um, featuring Bulk and Skull, who were like the two never-do-well kids that went to the same high school as the Power Rangers. Are they like the Bebop and Rocksteady? Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's like kind of just like this goofy backup written by Steve Orlando. Um, the art's really sick by um, Hendry Presetia. Um I don't know. I, I just it, it was just hilarious how much I like. I went into this. I read the first the zero issue. And I was like, what the hell? Why did I think this would be a good <laughs> idea reading this? And I ended up really enjoying zero, um, number one and two. So I'm, I think I'm going to read Mighty Morphin from Power Rangers every week, every month now. Yeah, why not? I feel like the comics industry is held up so much by like the raw power of nostalgia. So if you yeah. loved Power Rangers, you can you can do that again. You can revisit that. I don't think I read any other comics that are really nostalgic for me. So mm, I feel like all comics are nostalgic for me because I've been reading them for so long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like for me, like the the comics that I grew up reading were like Robert Crumb comics. <laughs> oh, that's such a heavy upbringing. I know. So uh, yeah, it's not like I'm going to read like some horrible new comic he puts out that makes me feel weird about parenting and stuff, and be like, oh, how nostalgic. <laughs> Uh, moving on, Power Rangers. Thanks so much. Um, I'll move on to another comic just quickly that I read that you didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, very different uh, thematically and in every possible way from uh, Power Rangers. The Wicked and the Divine by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey. Uh, it is a high concept um, story about gods who are also pop stars. Um, it's extraordinarily hard to follow month to month, but they have finally done the world a service and given you not only a little like um, fill-in page, on the first page, they also give you a guide to all the characters, what their names are, what their powers are, and what their relationships are to the other characters. Oh, thank goodness. It's extremely helpful because they there are, you know, about 20 characters in this. There are, there are more characters, more main characters in this than there are issues. Um, so it became quite hard to follow month to month without mm. consulting earlier issues. Um, the last kind of book they put together was all with different artists. While Jamie McKelvey wrote Phonograph, sorry, drew Phonograph with Kieran Gillen, um, and it was very heady. It was a lot more dialogue-driven and character-driven. This is, as described in the letters pages, um, I'll, I'll, I'll correct, I'll quote Kieran Gillen directly. Um, so they say that um, the last arc was known as the Blue Period or Bowie in Berlin, whereas this is known as. Taylor Swift's Bad Blood video for five <laughs> issues. And so it's just action, action, action. It's super fun. It's, I don't know. It's just like a really 
fun and wordy comic. Mm. Um, it's classic Kieran Gillen. If you don't like Kieran Gillen, you'll fucking hate this. But yeah, I'm I like, hated it. <laughs> oh, really? Did you read, read this latest issue? No, I didn't read that latest issue because I just decided a little while ago that um, I'm 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 cool with Kieran Gillen for a little while. That I had my fill. That was lovely. And I've definitely enjoyed some of his comics. Um, I'm sad because this looks like incredible Jamie McKelvey work, and he's like um, really, so, really amazing. Even though someone like we even had like Brandon Graham doing filling issues. In I the did last read arc, that one. It's so good to have Jamie McKelvey back on this book, and especially for a high action I- I- issue. Mm. It's a lot of fun. Um, well, I've got actually more comics that I read that you didn't. Have you got I have comics well, to get yeah, through? I mean, yeah. I've, I actually read like 40, I read so much. I read junk forty all the time. issues of comics this week. It's um, so it's so easy to do. Um, yeah. One that I read, which was really amazing, um, is the issue five of Scarlet Witch. This is um, a story written by James Robinson, I believe. Yep. Um, and it's had a rotating um, series of artists. This yeah, so every issue has a different artist, right? Uh, I don't think it was every issue. The first couple were by the same person whose name I've forgotten. Um, but Steve this Dillon issue, Steve Dillon did an issue. And then um, in this issue, Javier Pulido, the artist who worked on She-Hulk that we were referring to before, um, did an um, issue. And it's really good, really weird, creepy, like Scarlet Witch doing proper Wiccan stuff. So she goes to a um, goes to a nunnery, is intim- like intimidates a priest, Um goes and sort of sets free some spirits who are trapped there from burnings and things. And it's just like, it's a very weird conceptual issue with some like really interesting art. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I feel like this, I haven't read any of it yet, but from what I've heard and read about the series, it seems like it's less about the story and more about redefining who Scarlet Witch is in the Marvel universe. Yeah, now. absolutely. It's, it's very really like appealing. exploring Scarlet Witch's psyche. That's more like the plot is fairly, you know, it's fine, and it's a beautiful showcase for Polito's art, hundred percent. Um, Looks mostly yeah. silent. A lot of- yeah, a lot of it's really silent. There's a um, really, really long sequence of her sort of doing a, you know, superhero exorcism that sort of goes through history and wow, yeah, amazing, really, really good work. Sick. All right, another comic that I have to go back and track down all the older issues of. <laughs> Just like two Vertigo comics coming out right now when they launched. When Vertigo did this big relaunch thing, I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, Vertigo <laughs> are done. I don't mm. care. I read The Tomorrow Children by um, uh, by Darwin Cook and um, the um, and Jamie Hernandez, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really crazy but cool. Yeah. Um, but I ignored everything else. And then I felt really stupid because a whole stack of really great comics came out. And I hadn't read any of them. So I um, did the impossible and managed to track down the first five issues of uh, two comics that were completely sold out everywhere. I pretty much called like every comic book shop in Australia trying to get <laughs> issues of these. They weren't even on eBay. Wow. Um, like you could, you could buy like the only issues of these, of these comics that I could find online were the ones where they put them in the fucking graded um, cases and you've got to pay like a hundred bucks for them oh wow get out of town with that mess (laughs) um these comics are the sheriff of babylon by um uh tom king and mitch jareds um tom king we sing his praises quite frequently at the moment he's writing um the vision that we talked about earlier he's also writing um the omega men and he has been announced recently to uh take over batman for um, dc beyond i think he's an incredible writer he has a background in the CIA, mm. um, and this is his Vertigo comic that um, is 
quite personal, I think, to him. It's, it's set in the Iraqi war in um, the early 2000s. And it's uh, like a, a murder mystery, like a crime noir comic, but set in Iraq. Very um, interesting. It's incredible. I like. I can't. You know, there's there's comics where the first issue is like, oh, okay, I see what they're setting up, mm. and then the second issue is a little bit better. Third issue is even better than that, and then the fourth issue, you're like, oh my god, I got to read the first three issues again. It's pretty rare. Um, this is just absolutely that comic, and like, I'm already kind of. I've already decided Tom King is my favorite writer of the year. Mm. <laughs> it's April. Yeah, yeah, um, it's a bit cold. And uh, and I think this might be like this is definitely the best comic that I've read this year so far wow and it's just incredible the art is fantastic and at the end of um the second last issue they kind of give you a kind of insight as to how he puts all the pages together and it's entirely digital which is really crazy oh, interesting um and even like different ways of coloring I know, it's, look it's just a, it's a brilliant story that i've never read anything like before but it still feels like that classic not not everyone's classic era of Vertigo because every, like the, the original classic era of, of Vertigo is obviously that late 80s, early 90s, mm. very wordy, high concept stuff. Um, like whereas, Sandman. Exactly. Whereas my, you know, I, I've read all that stuff and I love it. But mm. for me, like the more classic Vertigo for me is the Why the Last Man era. DMZ. Like, exactly. Like, you know, quite obviously, you know, quite high concept as well, but on a much more grounded level. Mm. And... Um, this absolutely feels feel like falls into that bracket. Yeah, right. I'm definitely um, gonna borrow this from you. <laughs> yeah. Um. Likewise, unfollow, which actually feels like almost like a spiritual successor to Why the Last Man. Um. In that there are a stack of characters. It looks like it's going to be extremely long form. Um. And unfollow is about a millionaire who um, is on his deathbed, and before he dies, he decides to stri- distribute his wealth to 140 different people. Um, using a social media platform that he has. Mm. So it's like, you know, the Twitter, 140 characters. There are 140 characters in this book oh, that right. have his that have his riches. However, if any of them were to die, then the wealth is distributed among 139 people or 138 mm. people. So at the moment, we are at 138 people. Um, we're six issues in. The um, art in this one is, uh, is regularly by... Um, by Mike Dowling um, and written by Rob Williams, so we spoke about earlier doing the um, the Harley Quinn book. Mm. This is considerably better than the Harley <laughs> Quinn book, um, but this one was like a fill in, like a great little backstory. Reminded me a lot of like um, in Preacher when um, Garth Ennis would tell like the backstory of a character and get a new artist to kind of fill in for those issues. Um, this artwork is by Aaron Guerra, who did Scalped and is oh. doing the um, what's that? Book the Goddamn. The Goddamned. Um, and it's uh, very, very different to the regular art on this book. Um, it's jarringly so, but it works. It's really great. It was a great issue. I think these are two really, really special books. And I feel like if you love Vertigo and, and if you love image books as well, like I feel like these books might even be better than all of the current crop of, uh, of, uh, of image books that haven't quite hit 10 issues yet. Mm, interesting. Yeah, you know, I've definitely enjoyed The Clean Room, which was another um, recently... Uh, released Vertigo book. Um, so I'll definitely check those out, 100%. Sick. That is our little review section, big review section for this week. That was a big week. Oh, boy. Do we do we also, big deal, Graham Morrison's Wonder Woman Earth 1? Yes, but before we get to that, I All want right. to tell you that if you want to buy any of these comics, you absolutely can do that by heading to King's Comics in Sydney, 310 Pitt Street, or head to their website, kingscomics.com. 
Absolutely. And if um, if we're sold out, you can um, order through the website. We're happy to order things in special. Yeah. Um, or you when can do it through the website as well. Yeah, or email. Just start an email with a random person. It's a great way to pass the time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just email us. <laughs> uh, so let's uh, talk about Wonder Woman Earth One by the Grant Morrison Graham and Morrison. Yep. Um, how long have you been waiting for this book, Siobhan? All my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. I I genuinely do feel like I've been waiting for a definitive, um, you know, off one-off Wonder Woman book that I can recommend someone. And I definitely feel like I've found that in Earth One. Yeah, definitely. Which is really exciting. That's a really good point. So before we even start reviewing it, I guess yeah, it absolutely does succeed in being a a book that you can like recommend if someone to goes, anybody. Yeah, if someone goes like, like, I want a good Wonder Woman story. In the past, I found it really, really difficult to be like, well, you could pick up, you know, all of Greg Rucker's run, but there's, or, you know, all of Gail Simone's run, but there's not really a single book that you can be like, here, here you go, here's Wonder Woman. I think Brian Azzarello's run, um, I mean, obviously it's quite a large run. Yeah. But um, I think that definitely comes close to being standalone, doesn't really tie into anything else happening at DC while it's going. Yeah. That, that, that comes close, but... But, you know, with Batman, you've got, like, a long Halloween that you can just throw at something. Or with yeah. Superman, you've got, you know, um, All-Star Superman. This is, like... For me, this is the Wonder Woman book that I will now be able to recommend people. Yeah. Um, it kind of retells uh, Wonder Woman's origin less about how she was created. Definitely, kind of, that's a big part of it. But mm. it's more about how she first makes contact with, with man's world. Yep. And the rest of the uh, Amazonians reaction to that yeah and it's um it's a pretty different um retelling of the sort of amazons and the world of amazons that we've seen before this is like a society that's been around for three thousand years all women all beautiful statuesque immortal women um who have no contact with man's world except for queen hippolyta who has a magic mirror that she can see out into man's world and go oh isn't that terrible aren't we all lucky to be here on themyscira um, is this the first Wonder Woman? Sorry, is this the first Wonder Woman book that conveyed that people like the Amazonians were lovers with each other, or is that a I common thing? I don't know theme? if it's ever been explicit, um, but I like how sexually ambiguous all the characters are in this book. You know, like it's very, um, despite a lot of people's sort of uh, concerns about the book having like a really weird attitude towards sex because the first couple of pages that got released were of, you know, Hippolyta bound in chains being attacked by um, Hercules. Hercules. Um, I actually think this had a really lovely, light-hearted, sort of gender-neutral, not gender-neutral, but, you know, like everyone was sort of a bit ambiguous. Um, and, yeah, I thought it was really good fun. Yeah, I mean... Didn't feel exploitative. Wonder Woman has a very crazy history as a character in that she was... Her character is quite grounded in in in, in bondage. Yeah, um, absolutely. From, from, from the, her creator that was who was all about it. And this is um, definitely something that Graham Morrison, um, you know, gets across in quite a sort of interesting and lovely way. I thought, you know, it's all about um, showing your love and respect to a person by coming to them bound in chains. So you know, Wonder Woman does that as a sign of respect to her mother, which you know, also hot. <laughs> it's got double benefits, you know. Yeah, um, and the art by Yannick Paquette is amazing. Really there are a few beautiful. very hilarious um, Wonder Woman face close-ups where I feel like he, she looks like a bit of a mong. Oh, really? That's awful. I really liked it. I think that they, um, you know, they give a real sense of how like uh, strong and vibrant all the Amazons are, and you know, like Yannick Paquette is a bit of a cheesecakey sort of artist. 
but I think it works for this book. It's a bit, it's a bit cheesecakey. Sure. Know? Yeah. Um, and I think that he does a really good job of showing Diana as really sort of strong and young and um, full of life. You know. Yeah. The first half of the book is entirely set set in um, Themyscira. I always pronounce it Themyscira? wrong. Themyscira. I believe. I could be wrong. Um, but then when she uh, makes her way to our world, um, she quickly befriends a, uh, I mean, how would you describe this woman that she befriends? Uh, Etta Candy? Yeah. Um, she is a, I almost feel like she is the man's world equivalent to Wonder Woman. Like she's really um, full of life and joy and headstrong. She's a sorority girl, but she's not dumb. She's like, you know, cheers wherever she goes, but she's not like an idiot. She's um, full of sort of wisdom and humor and depth. And I loved her. She's also like, there's lots of hilarious, like, your chubby jokes, which is classic. You don't think that she is a, um, like, Grant Morrison's reaction to, like, Rebel Wilson, do you? <laughs> I, I can see her being played by Rebel Wilson in a yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I mean, she has, like, a very similar haircut and smile. Um, <laughs> maybe. Maybe to- that was an influence. I don't know. Um, but I, I liked it. I liked that I, version of Edda. I and thought it certainly was fun. it was like a character that you never see in a comic like yeah, this. Yeah, or if you do, she's in some like, they've inserted her in some really irritating way. Like she was, Edda Candy was a like classic Wonder Woman character who was, you know, com- like comedy relief. She was the sort of ugly duckling to Wonder Woman's beauty. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I, I, actually, I liked it. I hope that of, of everyone in this comic, <clears throat> um, I hope that she ends up in... Uh, in, in like a regular Wonder Woman book. Yeah, that'd be sick. Yeah, it's just a regular com- character, providing comedy relief. Yeah, absolutely. I liked her a lot. Um, the man that we're introduced to in this book is also someone that um, we don't normally see in a Wonder Woman book. Normally we see a boring white soldier. Mm. Um, we did not see this. What was the name of this character? Steve Trevor. Steve he, Trevor. So it is the classic Wonder Woman um, paramour. I don't know, like love interest. Right. Um, is that always his name? Yeah, Steve Trevor. Um, that's that's Wonder Woman's long-term love interest, but Graham Morrison has reimagined him as a black man, um, which is excellent, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, like, it's not like that character relied on being white to be a No, character. no. Like, Steve Trevor is one of the most, like, dull characters ever created, which is why it's so great that Chris Pine is playing him in the movie. <laughs> totally. But I feel like, you know, they really... It, it, you know, he doesn't. He isn't given too much to do in this in this story. No, but, I sort of like. It's very much Wonder Woman's story, and he is, you know, um, like he says in it, she's way out of my league. <laughs> you know? I, I, I thought he was amazing. That, that was amazing. He he just he comes across as such a great example of humanity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one thing that I thought was really funny, just going back to Edda, is I really like the concept that. Men are the thing that is stopping women from all being these sort of beautiful, wise, immortal Amazons. Because when sort of Wonder Woman sees all of these women who are, you know, shorter than her and, and on, different on body shapes and dying hospital. because they're old, yeah. she's like, what have men done to you? <laughs> I like that. I support that um, that vision, Grandma. Yeah. yeah, I loved I loved a equally clueless and equally powerful Wonder Woman. Yeah, when yeah. She man's woman, man's yeah, world. really brilliant. And just so like ready to kind of show what she can do to 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 men absolutely but also not give a fuck about it at the same time yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. It, it was great really brilliant and i think like this is a version of diana that i haven't seen before a really sort of young headstrong 
Diana. You know, it really reminded me of like a Thor comic. You know, I feel like she sort of took on that kind of definitely. Persona. No, it's a really great, great, great comparison. So in the past, these Earth One books, we've got two Batman Earth Ones, two Superman Earth Ones. Um, do you, would you like to see this as an ongoing? Absolutely. Like, I mean, I would like to see so more, so much more of this Wonder Woman. You know, Grant Morrison could just write that forever for me. Just personally, just mail it to me. <laughs> yeah, I definitely like. I was really expecting a very. Um, we 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 we've spoken in both episodes now about the sentimental Grant Morrison mm. versus the very out there Grant Morrison. And I was I was expecting the sentimental one, but we actually got. I would say more of the outdoor. Out yeah, there, just a straight up like action adventure story with you know some mythical overtones and the whole story. Purple being... rays and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Like you know, there was definitely some what the hell moments. Yeah, and, like it was but, a bit sci-fi. But they still had a great heart to it. So mm. yeah, no, I highly recommend this to everybody, especially anyone who uh, kind of wants to get somebody into Wonder Woman before the movie comes out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's a good time to release a Wonder Woman book now because she was like the only person in Batman v Superman that kind of had a good depiction <laughs> yeah that seems like the like best win from batman versus superman is that everyone seems really really hype about wonder woman um i am it was so all excited. a conspiracy to make these dud men characters look terrible so these kick-ass women characters can bring home the box office gold hell yeah um let's talk about image yeah, so this week was Image Expo, which is the yearly event where um, they announce all of the titles that they have coming out um, for the next year or a couple of years. If sometimes the books are delayed. Um, but it's usually, you know, it's an exciting time of the year. It's a bit of a nerd Christmas because you get, <laughs> you know, some exciting new stories. The thing about last year is that... Um they also have not released a stack of comics that they said they would. Yeah. So who knows when the comics coming out this year are actually going to come out. Um, but last year they announced Black Magic by Greg Rucker and Nicholas Scott, which we love. Um, the Goddamned by Jason Aaron and Aaron Guerra. Um, Heartless by Warren Ellis and Tula Lote, which hasn't actually come out yet. Huck by Mark Millar and Raphael Albuquerque. Um, Snot Girl, another one that hasn't come out yet by um, Brian Lee O'Malley, who did the Scott Pilgrim books. Mm-hmm. Um, there are stacks more, but like last year was like a very, very exciting, like, oh, wow. Like yeah. all these you know, new creators that are coming to, to Image and doing something new. This year, definitely some solid stuff announced, mm. but nothing that was like, oh, wow, Image are doing something different. It was like, oh, cool. Those guys that already have four books at Image are putting out another dark science fiction comic. Yeah, so we're getting another Hickman book. We're getting another Brubaker book and a new Azzarello book, none of which are bad things. That's no, no, all no, excellent. I'm not going to complain about any of those Very things. excited about all these comics. This is Azzarello's first Image book, I think, ever, right? Um, I actually have no idea. I think it might be. Could be though, but it's um he's working again with Edward Edward Rizzo, who mm-hmm. he worked with on um I believe that Batman, uh, Flashpoint series. Uh yeah, I mean before that he most famous for working with him on uh, Hundred Bullets. Yes, obviously. Um and uh, <laughs> and um he also did yeah the, the Batman um stuff where Thomas Wayne was Batman. Yeah. Um he's done he's done other Batman comics with they're, they're like a, a timeless duo. Yeah, they're um, great for like really sort of gritty noirish kind of stuff and it sounds like this is going to be uh, much of the same they're going to be putting out a book called moonshine which is a prohibition era crime story which i'm already sold yeah but sold it also that. has like science fiction elements into it too i think even better be like <laughs> the fade out um what else are you excited for from image uh the black monday murders which is um jonathan hickman's new book with someone called tom coker tom coker who i haven't heard of before 
um, but it's a mythical reinterpretation of modern global economics, which sounds fascinating. <laughs> um, I, like genuinely, I think that sounds really interesting. I'm really excited to hear what to um, read more. Yeah, um, we're finally getting a book. We've read we've read so many books that have been coloured by Nathan Fairbairn, including mm. Wonder Woman Earth One. But uh, we're finally getting a book written by him called Lake of Fire. Um, cool. he's, that he's doing with Matt Smith. Um, the year is uh, 1220 AD and the gears of the Albigensian crusade grind on when an alien mining craft infested with legions of bloodthirsty predators crash lands in the remote wilderness of the French Pyrenees. A small band of crusaders and a heretic are all that stands between God's kingdom and hell on earth. So it's a, a book set during the crusades, which would have been interesting enough, but there are also aliens. Yay. Classic image twist. Yep. <laughs> um, so far we've had prohibition era but aliens yeah. <laughs> and crusades but aliens what do you think about brennan fletcher cameron stewart and babs tar who are famous for doing batgirl um coming together for a book called motor crush yeah i'm into it um the image that they released along with it is of a sort of badass lady on a motorbike with some big weapons um so that sounds pretty cool looks like it'll be a pretty um grind housey fun sci-fi thriller kind of thing you know yeah um we're also getting a new one by rick remender which will make this his fifth book coming out on image at the moment calm down rick remender um seven to eternity but that the exciting part about this is that it teams him with jerome opeña who um last week we actually fucked up and oh we yeah we that, said it was acuna they said that daniel acuna did Un- uncanny x-force daniel acuna did uncanny avengers but whereas Jerome Apeña is, uh, is who did the artwork on that fantastic run with Rick Remender. So it is exciting to see them work together again. Um, they also did Fear Agent together for Dark Horse years ago, which is super exciting to see them mm. work together again. Um, also, I want to point out something very exciting, a comic that we love by uh, a friend of yours, um, Ron Wembley's Prince of Cats, which came out through Vertigo Comics years ago, and they only put one printing of it out, and it sold out really quickly, and they never pressed it again. Yeah, which is like ludicrous. Copies go for hundreds and hundreds of dollars on eBay. It's a really fun, awesome, interesting um, retelling of Romeo and Juliet through the eyes of Mercutio, but set in sort of, I would assume, like late 80s, early 90s Brooklyn. Harlem, yeah. Harlem, yeah. Um, it is, uh, it's an incredible book, like super different, something that, again, it sounds like something that you won't enjoy at all, but ends up being one of the best books you read. So, so entertaining. He's like, he just did such an incredible job of bringing the story to life in a new way, which is like, like, that's so hard to do. Everyone's, we've seen Romeo and Juliet a million times. and so We had to in school. <laughs> yeah, so to be able to find like a fresh take on that, I think is really impressive. And, um... Image is going to be reprinting it in its sort of intended original large European size in a nice, pretty hardcover. So I am extremely excited about yeah, that. Yeah, because I think I, I have it in like an awkward square size. Yeah, they printed it really little for some reason at Vertigo. And that then just never reprinted it because they I'm looking forward to rereading it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Siobhan and I this week went to a very fun uh, launch of a new thing called DC Superhero Girls. What is that, Siobhan? It is a line of dolls um, supported by hopefully an animated series. At the moment, it's just a bunch of animated shorts, um, but it's really cute. It sort of reimagines a whole bunch of prominent um, DC female superheroes and villains who all go to high school together. Very adorable. So you've got teenaged Wonder Woman, Batgirl, Harley Quinn, Bumblebee. Um, who else is in there? Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy. Katana. Really, like, 
I think that Super we were both girl. impressed by the um, breadth of visual references, like Dr. Midnight goes to this school. Red Tornado and, is a teacher. Yeah, Amanda Waller is the principal. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, like, it's definitely for young girls, but it's pretty it's pretty good fun and it's nice to be able to find, to have, like, an action figure that you can now recommend to give to young girls because it's not as if they're in, like, swimsuits. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah, yeah, totally. It's not it's not overly sexualized, you know, like, super expensive, realistic uh, yeah, yeah. busts or whatever of these superheroes. It's, it's, like, you know, the equivalent of a Barbie doll except they're in a, they're, like really fun cartoon applied yeah. versions of these superheroes in really colorful outfits and um you know emphasizes that you know the their brains and you know the, their superpowers and their friendship together it's very very sweet yes. it actually reminded me a lot the cartoon shorts reminded me a lot of tiny titans yeah i was gonna say that it was like a very um similar kind of I wouldn't say similar humor, but similar sort of references, similar kind of message to Tiny Titans, um, which is one of the few sort of superhero comics that you can really recommend to someone under eight. Yeah, absolutely. And it's important. You need to get kids hooked on comics early. Absolutely. Get them for life. This is a a really, really great way to get to get kids. I mean, obviously, especially girls, but, um, yeah. you know, I enjoyed it. My two-year-old son enjoyed it. I enjoyed um, it. <laughs> um, hopefully they'll make a comic out of this. I'd read that too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be awesome if they did. Um, you can actually see all the shorts online now. They're all, yeah. up, all up on their website, dcsuperherogirls.com. Check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's end the episode. We haven't got much time left, but we've got one time for one email. And uh, if you would like to send us an email, you can do exactly that by sending us an email to seriousissues at kingscomics.com. This week we've got an email from... We've got an email from Callum Smith. What's going on, Cal? He says, he says, long-time listener to the podcast, first-time writer in. And uh, nice. keep in mind that there, we've only put out two, two, two episodes at this point. <laughs> so thanks. Um, but he asks, please could you discuss slash recommend comics that reliably make you actually laugh whilst reading them? Um, no problem. No problem, Cal. Some problem. Because even though I might in my head think that a comic is funny... Yeah. It's very rare for a comic to make you laugh out loud. That is true. So I really had to think long and hard about this. Yeah. Because um, um, there's lots of comics that are like, as, as you say, funny, like um, sex criminals, that sort of thing. But I don't think sex criminals ever made me like laugh. Well, I mean, the, the, the jokes that relate to the plot and the characters, not necessarily so. But Some of weird the, like, sight side gags, gags in the background, that will make me laugh out loud. That's true. My go-to genuinely make me laugh out loud comic is Hark a Vagrant by um, the brilliant cartoonist Kate Beaton. Um, I don't think this will be like news to anyone, but she is one of the funniest, funniest writer artists um, in comics at the moment. She started out in web comics, but has had two printings of her strips. The first one, Hark a Vagrant, the second, Step Aside Pops. Um, she does mostly strips um, with like, researching history she's a historian by sort of um you know by she studied history Um, (laughs) (laughs) but she also looks at like um you know historical fiction she was really famous for doing a bunch of sort of Jane Austen and um uh, Bronte sisters ones but she's just hysterically funny like she's got a real Quentin Blake sort of physicality to her work um but her facial expressions and the you know the just everything is so funny everything makes me genuinely laugh out loud so i really highly recommend looking up her work and then buying it as well 
Um, and she, uh, I mean, she doesn't write an ongoing series, which makes it no, it's strips easier to yeah, a strip. I feel like a strip format of comics is far a lot easier to get laughs in than That's an ongoing true. series. It's a good bathroom book. Very true, <laughs> and um, that opens the world of uh, online strips, which I feel is the easiest way to uh, to get chuckles by reading comics. Yeah, um, my all time favorite. Uh, my all-time favorite online comic is a comic called "My Fighting Style Is Unstoppable." Oh, wait, my new fighting technique is unstoppable, um, and that is a um, a web comic by David Rees, and he only uses clip art, and it is about he basically reuses these crappy images of people doing karate, nice, and, um, and they like basically um, like yeah, it's just like this insanely funny, stupid. Um, comic made with clip art. He actually put out like a couple books oh, of, of the collections, um, and it's just you know really really stupid jokes. It's a lot of fun, and uh, it uh, inspired a, a friend of ours to start making his own comics out of uh, out of clip art. A friend of ours, John Valenzuela, and he puts oh. out comics um, as the Tilted Page. Yeah, there's a whole world out there of um, web comics. Um, John's Tilted Page comics can be found at the Tilted com if you want to check out some free, funny web comics. Um, what about like actual superhero comics that have made you laugh? Do any exist? Probably um, Justice League International, I reckon, made me laugh. By uh, Keith Giffen Back in and the day. Jim Mateus. It's got some, good, got some good gags in it. Yeah. Probably also... Um, Amanda Connor's Power Girl series. Oh yeah, hell yeah! That was hysterically funny. There was this. Um, so I think it was written by Jimmy Palmiotti with art by Amanda Connor. But um, Amanda Connor is like both really cheesecakey and really really good at um, physical comedy. So there was a really really um, sweet, heartfelt but also funny series about Power Girl. I especially liked the story arc where an alien comes to Earth and decides that she must be his mate because she is the only one who is strong enough. Um, hilarity ensues. Excellent. Check it out. Um, we opened the show with The Fix by Nick Spencer and That Steve did Lieber. make me laugh out loud. Absolutely. And um, to that end, I would also recommend Superior Foes of Spider-Man as an extremely funny comic. Mm-hmm. Definitely make you lol. Yep. Um, and also uh, Gail Simone's Secret Six run, particularly mm. her depiction of Deadshot. Um, that is the first superhero comic that I can remember reading on a flight to Perth. I binged about 30 issues of it and um, actually had a big laugh out loud moment where I had to put the comic down. I can't remember what moment it was. You'll have to read the entire run, which is not really that bad of a thing to do. No, it's lovely. Um, and uh, yeah, it was definitely something Deadshot did at some point in those issues. But I was like, whoa, I just laughed at a superhero comic. <laughs> What's happening in my body? <laughs> um, so yeah, Secret Six. We'll keep adding to this list for you, Callum. Yeah, absolutely. And send in send in your favorite comics that make you lol. Yeah, definitely. Serious issues at kingscomics.com. If you have any questions or any comics that make you lol or any things that you want to send us, we would love to hear from you. You can also get in touch with us at facebook.com slash serious issues podcast, or you can follow us uh, online. Siobhan is Siobhan CBG on Instagram and I I'm Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Um, also, we would love it if you uh, could find the time to leave us a lovely review on iTunes. Um, five stars if you could. Yeah, why not? you do it to your Uber driver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Treat us like an Uber driver and just give us two five stars because you're like, oh, you know what? He didn't kill me. It's yeah. fine. And we'll give you bottles of water and minties. 
<laughs> it's a great, great deal. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. Again, you can find all these comics that we've talked about at King's Comics, and we will see you again next week. Thanks, guys. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money.